You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we're talking about bobby womack the poet on the line i have rob hey what's shaking ben it's my butt john lay it on me babe and kyle the poet is the 13th studio album by the american musician bobby womack the album was released on november 81 by beverly glenn music records the producer was bobby womack and the genre is soul and r&b i'm gonna read from the book jim harrington The 1970s did not end all that well for Bobby Womack. After establishing himself as a superstar with such chart-topping hits as Woman's Gotta Have It and Looking for a Love, early in the decade, he suffered long drug-related problems, the death of his infant son, record label changes, and a variety of odd career choices. Leaving Artisan for the small independent label, Beverly Glenn Womack was in dire need of a comeback. And that is exactly what he found with The Poet. The album's cover, which shows Womack looking late 1970s, cool, in an all-lavender outfit, was the perfect introduction for what remains one of the slickest batch of soul songs of the era. The deep tenor vocalist sounds as sexy as Wilson Pickett on the opener So Many Sides of You and then slips on the silky pajamas for some Barry White-worthy action on Lay Your Lovin' On Me. The Poet was a smash that brought Womack back to the top of the R&B album charts and yielded three hit singles, the biggest of which, If You Think You're Lonely Now, went to number three in the U.S. All right, what do we think of Bobby Womack, The Poet? Uh, it's what I wrote down in the, the comments on our little thread was, this album has sired children. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> this, this is, is the album your girlfriend told you not to worry about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is really good. This is yeah. a good album. This is sexy. Quiet Storm. The yeah. Bobby Womack on this album is one of the few instances where and my notes next to a song are both did he just say Kentucky Fried Chicken? And also, this fucks. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's a good mix. Like it's both it's both sexy and like there's some funky, weird shit in here. Like in, in, if you think you're lonely now, there's this line where it's like when the skeletons come out of your closet and they chase you around your room. <laughs> yeah, you watch out for those skeletons. Hey, is this a Bauhaus song? Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and yeah, and then and then uh, on, I think the, the song that you're talking about, Ben, Secrets, mm-hmm. he's talking about all these various different, you know, culinary things. And he actually uses a word pair that I'd never heard used before other than by myself and my wife when we're talking about like, amazingly tasty things we can't identify he's like it's a delicious mystery <laughs> like and i'm like holy shit he gets it <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely it's, it's a great album yeah i'm surprised we get all these um 
what you would call comeback albums for these different artists. I mean, he had plenty of albums and I thought we'd get something like a, uh, I actually misspoke before on one of the earlier podcasts because I thought if we didn't get across from 110th Street, we probably wouldn't get Bobby Womack. So I was like, ah, but Bobby Womack's not going to be in here, even though he's worked with literally everyone in the industry. Every single person. person. Holy shit. He's Um, been doing it for long enough since 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 traveling electric music was a thing (laughs) since before the Beatles. Oh yeah, he he was hitting the gospel circuits in like the early fifties. Yeah, yeah like he was him and his brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is his thirteenth album. <laughs> he was yeah. in Sam Cooke's backing band and yeah. then married his widow. Very oh, no, I, shortly yeah. after, I, yeah. I've got plenty of things to, to talk yeah. about regarding I, that if we want to get into it. But I like, don't know how it, much we want to get into. But there's some there's some shit. There's some good stuff. Uh, Sam Cooke wanted his gospel band like with his brothers to get together so they could be the next Beatles. And they said, no. And <laughs> Sam Cooke was like, well, fuck you. Um, but back to 80s Bobby Womack before we, we dig deep into the the labyrinth that is. <laughs> Until the skeletons in his closet come and chase us around the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there, there are so many skeletons. Um, yeah, this this album, I, this, this might be the first Quiet Storm record that I really, really, really liked. Because um, we, we did Weather Report and we no, did. That's um, not true. Weather Report, nope. I wouldn't say is a quiet storm. You're thinking of um, Let's Get It On as a quiet storm. That's the invention of quiet storm right there. Let's Get It On. Oh, How, how about Hot Buttered Soul? Hot Buttered Soul was also right there, but I would say that was a little pre of this uh, this style of production. I thought Quiet Storm had more to do with the like uh, new version of jazz that didn't do anything exciting uh, uh and was very quiet and storm-like it's more of a soul based uh music okay. i think than jazz right. then i i recant my my previous statement this is the first of the quiet storm albums from this era that i've liked yeah the whole like 70s probably 76 up through here that the book is covered this is the first one i've been like yeah some some good stuff um did anybody else get on the song stand up that it could have been a fucking morris day in the times or prince track absolutely so fucking funky Mm -hmm. like i put funk with a big star next to it yeah Yeah. all i I put next to that one holy shit the funk yeah I can't remember the name of the hotel. Uh, Rob, when you had your wedding, um, I went to that hotel. Bridge, you stayed at that hotel. Yeah, the one that has the uh, the the Breckenridge Inn, where it has the uh, the dance parties in the basement. Oh, you're talking about Jerry Green's. Yeah, I got I got some Jerry Green flashbacks on some. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if anybody's ever in Louisville, Kentucky, go to the Breckenridge Inn on what is it? Breckenridge uh, Lane. Yeah, Breckenridge Lane on thir- was it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? I believe it might just be. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and Jerry Green, who's an old soul singer, will definitely bring some Bobby Womack vibes. I mean, he does two sets, and he is on the floor singing "Purple Rain" at three in the morning. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's incredible. I yeah, we we begged Kyle to go, even though he was tired from the wedding. We were like, please, please go see Jerry Green, even for like ten minutes. And you went there, and what they do? They filled up an entire glass full of whiskey or whatever lick, liquor you wanted. It, it's insanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great night. 
<laughs> it was a great night. Before one of my notes next to just my imagination is not the temptations. <laughs> it's it's not. I thought it was going to be, yeah. but it's not. I was like, it's even the the he starts saying he even says like running away with me, right? Mm-hmm. He, he does something like that, but it's yeah. not. Yeah, <laughs> but he does it in an almost almost a country style for his just my imagination. It's it's an interesting take on it. Yeah, it's a different song. Oh, it's a well, it's a totally different song. Yeah, it's not. But it has many of the themes, and it sounds almost like the Temptations one. But yeah. it, for an album that is R and B, quiet, not exactly Quiet Storm, but close to Quiet Storm, I guess is what we decided. No, no, um, he's Quiet Storm. Okay, I was okay, we're late in the cut then. Yeah, Weather Underground, maybe okay. not. Gotcha. So, okay. but for that, for him to do like, you know, stand up, which is like some some funky shit, and just my imagination, which is almost country. It's it's not it's not pure. You said Weather Underground. That is a militant group. Uh, Weather Reports, the band. Right. <laughs> I'll stick with Weather Underground. I yeah. love that. <laughs> they are Weather quite strong. They, <laughs> they had a point, guys. <laughs> watched two documentaries on Bobby Womack because I, I listened to the record like four times. Like Bobby Womack is a fucking very interesting human. Yeah. Like we were saying, he went back to uh like early, early soul circuit uh, or uh, early gospel circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, he hooked up with uh, Sam cook during that time. Sam cook ends up dying. And yeah, he uh, so he marries uh, Sam Cook's widow. Um, and so the, what I have written down here is uh, the people that uh, Bobby Womack called crazy after marrying Sam Cook's widow, incidentally causing the uh, causing him to be blackballed by fans and the uh, the industry at large. Uh, first one to be called crazy was Charlie Cook, which was Sam Cook's brother. Um, uh, so Bobby Womack goes to Chicago after marrying the widow. Charlie is not happy. He is very pissed off. He calls Charlie on the phone and says that he's in Chicago because he wants to get the ass whooping out of the way that's going to be coming to him if Charlie <laughs> ever finds him. Barbara Womack, formerly Barbara Cook, uh, brought a gun to this, which uh, because she planned on shooting Charlie because she knew Charlie was crazy. Uh <laughs> Bobby Womack knew that Barbara was crazy, so he emptied out the uh, the gun, <laughs> so there were no bullets in it for the meetup, and he got the shit kicked out of him. He got like, his jaw broken. Teeth through his lip, jaw broken, head like a watermelon, blood everywhere, but no one died, so he was cool with it. But Barbara, Bobby ends up sleeping with uh, Barbara's daughter, uh, the teenage daughter, and she does shoot him for that. Uh, so it grazes his skull. Yeah, yeah, she rightly so. And, and when he married Barbara, that daughter was eleven. They had mm-hmm. the relationship when she was seventeen. 
but there's definitely some Woody Allen grooming shit going on there. For sure. And she, she the daughter la- ended up marrying Bobby Womack's brother, Tommy, I think. And she also ended up working with Bobby Womack, uh, co-writing some of his hits after that. It's true. Yeah. It's a whole weird mishmash the in there. Skeletons sure. just running around the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So That's far, a, lot of, a lot of underage skeletons. That's far where two people he called crazy. Next up, after that whole deal with uh, the daughter, um, he's playing guitar for Ray Charles. Fun story. He plays guitar left-handed and upside down, just like Jimi Hendrix did and uh, Dick Dale. Uh, so he's playing Only, guitar for... Oh, can, can I just... What, one little amendment on that. Me. So yeah, he's left-handed. He plays a right-handed upside down, but not restrung. He like the low E string is the furthest string away from him when he's playing. Yeah. He just picks a right. standard strung right-handed guitar, just flips upside down, and starts playing it like Dick Dale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so next comes playing guitar for Ray Charles. Uh, he says Ray Charles, he's crazy. He's too wild. Uh, he made Bobby wear a hand hand-me-down suit that itched purportedly because it was the last dude who had it had the clap. Um, he said that Ray would try to fly the plane when they were in airplanes. He would drive cars and crash into people. <laughs> um, so that he teams up with Wilson Pickett, uh, gets back like into playing regularly, uh, which leads to him w- playing with Dusty Springfield and then with Aretha Franklin and then to Elvis. Um Wilson Pickett tries to get Bobby signed again, but the label passes. So Wilson Pickett records uh, a couple of his songs. Uh, I'm a mover and uh, I'm in love. And uh, Bobby's like, fuck this. And he leaves. Um, and uh, yeah, he said, Wilson Pickett was crazy. Says that Pickett showed him a closet full of cash because he didn't trust the banks. So just like stacked like floor to ceiling, just full of money. He's like, you want to see something? It's like this guy's crazy. He's out of here. Um, so those you can't are, show that to people. Uh, yeah, no. Th- those are the majority of the people that uh, he found crazy. He did. Uh, Janis Joplin wanted him to write a song for him. Uh, she wrote Mercedes Benz after writing in his Mercedes Benz, uh, and also the song "Trust Me." Uh, Bobby was actually in the studio uh, when Janis Joplin's drug dealer came over. She said, "Hey, Bobby, uh, leave." So he left, and then she died of an OD like three hours later. Wow. wow. So, Wait, who's kicking Bobby Womack out when drug deals go down? Seems like Bobby <laughs> Womack be like, oh, hey, hey, Gary. No, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby was, just, was into Coke. Yeah, he was just saving his uh, time to hang out with Sly. <laughs> and he got Wilson Pickett hooked on Coke. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I wrote down, I want to uh, listen to the entirety of the 110th Street soundtrack. I didn't oh, yeah. know that that was a soundtrack. I thought it was just one song, uh, but yeah, I, I knew it from the uh, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Uh, Jackie Brown, yeah, there it is. Uh, and then in the seventies, tragic crap happened to him. Seventy-four, his brother was stabbed to death by his girlfriend, who thought that he was cheating after seeing women's clothing in Bobby's apartment, but it was Bobby's girlfriend's, and he died. He bled out on his front porch, and the neighbors didn't do anything. And then, yeah, uh, seventy-eight, Bobby's infant son suffocates. After falling uh, onto the side of a, in between the wall and the uh, the bed, uh, his his uh, wife at the time told him to go check on the baby. And instead, he went and did blow. So that fucked him up for a while. And then his son Vincent shot himself in the head at the age of twenty one in the early eighties. So after all that tragedy, this is the record that comes out. And uh, it Vincent's doesn't sound like any of those things happened. Point. Is he? Yeah, he, he, it was like 86, I think. 
Really? Yeah. You know, you know what I thought was weird is there's multiple kids named after their own dead siblings in that family. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like Vincent who, who ended up taking his own life was named after Vincent who died in a pool before he was born. And then the infant that died was, was it true Bobby? Mm-hmm. And uh, then, and then like the next one's name was Bobby true. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put that on a kid. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a family name. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up. There it is. So if is this think, a track one side two? Yeah. Do we know where the, where the album splits? Cause I couldn't tell. If I had to guess, I would say, I, I don't know for sure, but I would guess side one closes with just my imagination and side two opens with stand up. That's what I'd think too. Oh, good. Sorry for yeah. interrupting you, Kyle. <laughs> Uh, so if you if you think you're lonely now, that was his number one charting song, right? Like in his career, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty amazing. You know, to have it come so late, um, and that track's a banger. It's also a mm-hmm. sick burn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you think you're lonely now, just wait until tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one stood out to me. I you know heard it a couple times before, but yeah, this album is. Mm-hmm. Is wonderful, slick production too. It's production is oh yeah, kind of yeah. unbelievable how good the production is on on this album. It, and he's the only name I saw credited to it. I, I'm assuming were there engineers in the room, or he's got he's been in the music industry for so long they just pick up production skills along the way. Yeah, no, there's a executive producer. There's three in engineers. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, Otis Smith was the executive producer. But by this time, you know, Bobby, Bobby knows who who runs things and in what sounds good. He's such he knows. a yeah, he's been on so many albums um, and been with so many bands that it's it makes sense. I was kind of surprised that it did take going to the smaller label. Um, I didn't realize this was actually a different, he had changed labels before he put this out, but I think that sometimes gives artists a new lease on, on their music, you know, willing to, to stretch or do whatever they want because they feel freed. They don't have to Absolutely. produce for singles or fresh start, you know, clean, uh, turn on the page in a book. Exactly. And then, yeah, it, it, it someone with the cloud of Bobby Womack going to a small label like this is definitely going to have whatever wiggle room he wants, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was inducted into the hall of fame. What? 2006, 2008, something like that. Rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a few years after he died, right? No, no, he died no, 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 in like 2014. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, but not his, uh, whatever the band he was with the Valentinos or whatever the, I'm yeah. not thinking the wrong thing. No, Valentino's is just the rebranded uh, Womack Brothers. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It's when they went from gospel to secular, I think. Mm. Yep. Gotcha. Because that's where the money was. Uh, what song did uh, Rolling Stones cover of his? It's all over now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He got paid $30,000 for that because he held on to the publishing rights. Nice. Like in, in the 60s. Like that's oh, 1960s dollars. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a fuck ton of money. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. that was 64 or something like that. Yeah, he actually, you know, he did a couple of different, tried different things, including doing a country album. It was called uh, BW Goes CW. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pick that one up. That sounds awesome. I can I can see him pulling off country and western. Like, he's he's versatile. And yeah, Ray Charles it, did. Yeah, yep. and he's a Ray Charles acolyte, you know. guy's just been everywhere and played with everyone yeah on a on an upside down guitar what like what surprisingly impressive to me is not so much that he played in he played a a guitar counterintuitively uh, upside down but that even when he was uh like blacklisted by like labels and stuff he was getting plenty of work as a session guitarist he's He's good enough on an upside down guitar that he's doing session work and that and especially with a kind of competition because literally everyone plays guitar like that's really cool yeah. and impressive. Do you, do you want to hear a story about him learning to play guitar? So he was actually the third of five brothers. Um, they all grew up in Cleveland in the slums. Uh, they said that the family would fish pig snouts out of the local supermarkets trash to to survive they also he also shared a bed with his brothers and his mom told him he could sing his way out of the ghetto he did recall when he came up uh that his father you know was sort of a, a hard man and told the the kids that friendly womack yeah and he, yeah he said that uh he's a part-time minister musician he played guitar also sang gospel but he told the kids not to touch his guitar while he's away. He's like, don't play the guitar no matter what you do. And obviously, you know, night after night, Bobby would pick up the guitar and play it. So that's probably where he learned to play upside down, probably having no knowledge of how to do it. But one night he actually breaks a string and he tied a replacement string. Uh, he, He took a shoelace and replaced the string Obviously friendly, his father got home and figured out it's Bobby who broke the it's guitar. The w- it's the one that doesn't have a shoelace. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly how he figured it out. Uh, and so he's like, go ahead and if you can play well enough, you know, prove to me, then I won't whip you. So Bobby plays and he plays, I guess, so amazingly that his guitar or his father was just like, oh my gosh, what am I even doing? You know, depriving you of of not playing guitar. So he went and he bought five guitars for all of the sons. And he, uh, you know, five right-handed guitars. Yeah. Five <laughs> right-handed guitars. <laughs> and then the, you know, kind of tried to push them into the, the Jackson five, uh, element for, for being a band. And they, and they flourished. Yeah. The, the, the Womack brothers, they did well, uh, in the day. Yeah. 
I mean, even the, uh, is it Cecil, uh, wrote some of the Cecil, songs. That, that, yep, that's Cecil. who yeah. it was Cecil that, that, uh, Sam Cook's daughter ended up marrying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he actually, uh, wrote stand up on this album. So yep. cool. You're probably hearing his influence on, uh, Morris day. <laughs> uh, back in there in the in the Womack brother days uh yeah they, they were touring with uh uh sam cook's old gospel band the soul stirrers they were uh, also in the gospel circuit before they went secular staple singers like they were right in that mix uh what do we think of this album though what do you think of this quiet storm fucking rules man it's, it's really yeah. good it's awesome yeah. it's, it's, great. it's tight it, it's a it comes in at what 39 minutes maybe mm-hmm. not too long Perfect. yep yeah like Perfect. it's compact it is, it is in and out and uh, in and out again. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that oh my i'm curious though is this is this like adult contemporary are we bridging this gap into the 80s of adult mm-hmm. contemporary or is this soulful well, funky enough quite i mean it is quiet storm and you can often have both of those genres in the same breath but this is very funky and very soulful this this is for the grown and sexy okay i think the grown and sexy this is, this yeah. is, that's for the grown and sexy it's fair <laughs> that's true i think when you when you add in the lines like ghost skeleton <laughs> chasing around the room and kentucky fried chicken <laughs> and have a song like if you think you're lonely now just wait till tonight i mean that's a little it's a little uh it's got a little bit more of an edge than i would say uh some of that adult contemporary nonsense does soulful music for consenting adults <laughs> i'll take it uh if i have a favorite song on this so we close that oh fuck I like I mean, just my imagination. Stand up huh. and secrets. <laughs> stand, stand up is probably my favorite on the album. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I think stand up is my favorite too. Yeah, stand up and secrets. Definitely the bangers for me. Secrets. I do like if if uh, you think you're lonely now. I did yeah. Try, I did try to look up um, what he thought about his song in uh, Jackie Brown. Like, because I know that really... Uh, what would you say revitalized hit him and hearing him on the radio and things like that. But I couldn't find up. Uh, yeah. Cause that wasn't until 97, I guess that it was the, the opener and closer of Jackie Brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, very strange. I mean, when I heard it, I was like, wait, that's from, uh, that's from a different, a movie. different movie. That's the <laughs> opening song of a different movie. It felt really well, weird. And then if you think you're lonely now has been sort of, sampled and 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 callbacked to a couple times like uh mariah carey's uh is it i don't know it's not fantasy it's it's one of hers that she did like in the mid 2000s she just more or less references like oh and then i turn on the radio and it's if you think you're lonely now and she just sings the line like okay she, she's listening to the grown and sexy and feeling sad <laughs> yeah mariah carey is all over this week's music selection yeah i was gonna say mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Uh, Maybe we should get her on. Uh, so I'm gonna guess that uh, everyone's positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Positive. Yeah. yeah. All right. Some rules. Full positive. If I if I find it in a bin, I'm gonna pick it up. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Just look for that. Look for that full lavender outfit. Oh, I will. <laughs> yeah. It'll be hard to miss. <laughs> so happy I was wrong about having him in the book, though. I was. 
he he's just like one of those the staples. He he's one of the unsung, you know, backing like guitarists. Mavis Staples, like Vince Staples. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you think it's because it like he was most like the albums didn't sell as well as the singles were selling I think or something to that it. effect. Yeah. He was from an era where it was all about the singles and the album maybe wasn't there. Um, he also fully blacklisted himself for, for in the industry. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> to the point where he was getting booed. Yeah. <laughs> Just <in public. laughs> turns out people really liked Sam cook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, all right. Next time we'll be talking about Tom Tom Club. Tom Tom Club. All right. Thanks, y'all. Kiss a yellow lonely. But everybody needs somebody to love. It's good that you know that you got somebody that'll stand by your side. Someone, baby, cause I've done my time, and it's your time.